welcome to Casa Grande Chat, a podcast dedicated to the Loud House spinoff series, The Casa Grandes. And I'm your host, Sunny, and welcome to episode four of Casa Grande Chat. It's good to be back on the podcast because I've been away for school, and there was a lot of stuff that came out while I was in school. But today, I'm actually not alone in talking about the Loud House and the Casa Grandes. I am here with a very special guest. He's a good friend of mine from Twitter. His name is Ryan W. Med. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, that's Ryan W. Mead, actually. That's quite all right. Um, but um, it's really great to be here. Um, should I say a few things about myself? Yes, I, I'm sure a lot of people here listening to the podcast don't know who you are. So if you would just do a little introduction to everybody about who you are and uh, what you do and things like that. Uh, no problem at all. Well, uh, this is... Uh, it's really starting out great because I guess with the whole Ryan W. Med thing, I am going to have to con- con- correct her pronunciation, which I had to do with some cast members. And basically, I'm going to be like Lalo Raz was, was, was when Sonia Manzano said flang. Uh, that's a joke you'll get when we talk about it later on in the podcast. But um, my name is Ryan Mead, and I am a pop culture enthusiast, kind of a jack of all trades and master of none. I like to write occasionally and speak occasionally in the all sorts of different things, mostly like television shows and animation and history and such. Basically, uh, Sonny and I share a lot of the same interests. We're both interested in cartoons. We're both interested in Disney ephemera and things like that. But uh, we met because of our shared interest in the Loud House, and we've kind of collaborated on a few projects in the past. Uh, I was a guest uh, on the Loud Crowd podcast alongside her, which was a lot of fun. And uh, when I found out she was doing a Casa Grande's podcast, uh, I was really interested in that. And out of the blue, she asked me recently, would you like to come on and be a guest? And I am very honored to be her first guest because there are a lot of interesting things that we're going to talk about. And I think it's really going to be fun to talk about the pair. Yeah, I'm really excited that you decided to come on because you have a lot more knowledge about certain things. So it's really nice to have somebody else who will just, you know, give me more information about what we're going to be talking about today. Aw, thank you so much. But you know a lot of stuff too, so I think the fact when we combine our powers, we become stronger. Uh, it makes it sound like a action anime or something, but I think it's true. Oh yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, I'm really excited to be talking about some Casa news with you today. Hey, it's me, Ronnie Ann. If you like the louds, come meet my family. My mom, my brother, abuelo, abuela, tío Carlos, tía Frida, my cousins Carlota, CJ, Carl, and Carlitos, and our pet Sergio and Lalo. We are the Casa Grandes. So with the news coming out, we actually can talk about the Loud House a little bit. And there was actually some Loud House news that came out during the weeks, which was the, the promo for the episode King of the Cons, which is an ep- kind of like an Ace Savvy episode where Lincoln and Clyde are going to an Ace Savvy convention with the sisters to kind of win this, uh, this uh, costume contest. And I'm really interested in the episode, but what do you think about this episode? 
Hmm. I well, we don't really know much about it yet, but I think it's kind of interesting. As I, I had a feeling that they were going to pair uh, the Casa Grande's premiere with a a special episode of The Loud House, and uh, other than Friended, which was technically a Casa Grande's episode, we haven't had any uh, of the half hour specials this year. But uh, as I've said in the past, the half hour specials are always. Uh, the cases where the labs kind of get to shine, really. Basically, they do a very good job of giving enough time to each of the characters and balancing the ensemble. So, although this is going to be a Lincoln and Clyde-focused episode, the fact that the sisters are going to be involved makes me wonder exactly how each of them are going to react to, you know, being at a comic book convention, because for the most part, it doesn't seem like it would be their thing, but the 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 siblings are always very supportive of Lincoln because we know that from the episode Pulp Friction that they're very passionate. They support Lincoln in his uh, love of Ace Savvy because they helped him get uh, his Ace Savvy fan comic back from the principal. So they're very supportive of Lincoln no matter what, which is very sweet. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in this episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I was really excited when I saw the promo that the sisters are getting involved in this, because you would think, like, they wouldn't be interested in, like, Lincoln and the comics and Ace Savvy's, but it's really nice they're contributing to this and helping Lincoln Clyde in this, in this uh, costume contest, but it is, the promo really didn't show us what exactly it's gonna ha- what's gonna happen in the episode, mainly just it's gonna be a Lincoln and Clyde episode, and, like, they're gonna, like, Try, kind of cause trouble because they want to like go on some kind of like mystery like Ace and One-Eyed Jack and capture this cat. I don't know how the cat's going to play into the, the episode, but uh, I'm still very intrigued by the premise, you know? Definitely. It seems like that in this case, con, it, there's kind of a double meaning. They're going to a con, but they're also going to pull a con. I think that they're going to do something dubious to try and win the contest or make themselves make themselves stand out like maybe people aren't paying attention to them so they try to stage like a a savvy type mystery for them to solve and cause trouble because Lincoln and Claude always trouble and then you know they have to uh realize you know based they always own up to their mistakes and and something better happens to them at, at the very end than what they had hoped for which is the uh the there is there is actually a formula to how loud house episodes are written but um the way that they manage to make it work is pretty interesting so if you sometimes it doesn't feel like it but it, it it's very sweet how there's you know always a resolution where everything gets wrapped up nicely, uh, which is something that we'll be seeing in the Casa Grande's episode that we'll be talking about later in this episode, but it'll be very interesting to see, because unlike a, a lot of the other stuff we're talking about today, we know next to nothing about this, so it'll be a very nice surprise to lead into the whole Casa Grande's premiere that's yeah. being promoted. 
yeah, it's really interesting that they're doing a special because when I first talked about it on my on my podcast, I said that there's there was just gonna be like two regular Loud House episodes, but this was like so unexpected. We didn't know much, like we didn't even know this was there was gonna be a special. It just kind of came out of nowhere, and the promo came out. And we're just like, oh my gosh, they're doing an A Savvy uh, special before the Casa Grandes, you know, to hype up the Casa Grande. So I think it's really great that they're pairing a Lincoln episode with a Ronnie and episode afterwards. So. I think that they did a really smart move with putting a special with the Casa Grande premiere. Definitely. And then after that, we actually, this week, we actually got two new synopsis for two new episodes that are actually coming out in the future. We don't know when they're coming out, but we did hear about them this week, which is, uh, the first one is Can't Hardly Wait. Lori takes a job as a waitress at, at Dad's restaurant, but it turns out that serving is harder than she anticipated. So I'm actually really excited about this episode because Lori is my favorite sister of all the sisters in the Loud House. And it is interesting to me that Lori has had jobs in the past where she worked at restaurants like Gus's Games and Grub and even that Aloha restaurant that, that her that dad was working at during job insecurity. So it's kind of interesting that she is thinking that waitressing is harder when she's kind of done it in the past but you know with Loud House consistency isn't really their thing with that but I'm thinking that Lori is taking this job as a way to pay off for um you know fair way the college that she's going to go to once she mentioned it in Driving Ambition but that's just more of a guess because I'm thinking well what does she need a job for for anything to pay for college obviously but what do you think about this episode? I think it's interesting I, I like the fact that there's uh, what what the, the writers of The Simpsons have always called a feasible reality. Like, uh, there are events that kind of happen, like Lynn opens a restaurant, obvi- Lynn Sr. opens a restaurant seriously, and there are episodes that are after that, and of course Ronnie and moving away, but the, the thing is, the episodes are intentionally designed so don't really follow that a sort of large continuity and kind of can be viewed in any order so there's kind of that flexible thing going on but i think it's interesting that as you said we've seen Lori be a waitress in the past and i think this is kind of like continuing with this but i also think this is going to be about the conundrum that Lori faces like uh which we've seen in episodes such as uh garage band and we've also seen uh, other siblings, such as Lisa, and episodes such as the Mad Scientist, which which is kind of the inverse. Uh, Lisa acts like an adult, but she's still a child. Um, but that's kind of Lori's problem too, which we saw in Garage Band. I think we're going to see here. Like uh, Lori is almost an adult, but I don't think she's ready to grow up just yet. She wants to show some responsibility, but she realizes that you know eventually she's to get away from her family and her siblings and move out on her own and start her life, but she isn't ready to do that, even though she thinks she is. So I think that's what we're going to see in this episode, which is Lori, you know, coming to terms with the fact that she has to show more responsibility, but at the same time, she has to enjoy being 17, being a teenager, not being an adult yet, because eventually, you know, of course, not in re- reality, because of tune and stay that age forever. But you know, the semblance, the concept of relatable stories, like how can you balance being where you are now versus being what you want to be when you grow up? Which I, I think is a lot of people face, and I'm sure it's a problem 
yourself face at your current age since you're kind of around Lord age. I'm much older and I still kind of have the same problem, but uh, it's very interesting and it'll be very interesting. Plays yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to be a very relatable episode, especially from the description. And then we actually have another episode, which is A Mutt Above, spurred on by a classmate's mocking about Charles. Lana decides to train him to compete in a local dog show. I'm really happy that Lana is finally getting an episode, because season three basically, like, you know, didn't really do much justice for her. I mean, she had, you know, the one episode in uh, season three, but that was really it. She didn't really have much after that. She had some moments, but really she didn't shine as much as season three. So it's nice to see, like, one of the first episodes in season four will be a Lana episode. And I think somebody, uh, well, one of my close friends, Ink, who does a lot of the uh, Loud Pet fan art, they were, like, talking about, like, oh, this sounds like one of my ideas. So it'll be nice to see, like, them be very excited about this episode because obviously, like, they like the Loud Pets a lot. So I I'm very curious about this episode because Lana and Charles, I think that's a great, you know, pairing because Lana kind of acts like a dog and Charles is the dog. So putting him in this like dog show would be kind of interesting. But uh, what do you think about this episode? I agree. And I was definitely thinking about Ink too, because uh, the pets are kind of underused, which is, uh, the Loud House has so many characters that it's impossible to use them all, of course. But we've seen in the past that Lana and Charles have a very close bond, which is, again, not surprising given how much she loves animals, given how much like a dog she already mentioned. But uh, it's cute to see Lana and Charles bond uh, in the latest graphic there was a, a very cute story where Lana and Charles dig up a bone and they think it's a dinosaur bone. And, you know, Lana says, can you imagine that, Charles? We found the dinosaur. We're going to be rich. We're going to have our face on cereal boxes and things like that. It was a really cute story. And I think we're going to see, you know, kind of the comedic bond between Lana and Charles. Neither of them are perfect, of course. There was uh, the episode Lock and Loud where... Uh, Lana failed to train Charles to be a guard dog. That that was a, a cute example of the kind of relationship they have. Lana, you know, Lana wants Charles to be a serious dog, but it is kind of, but, you know, he, he just goes off and does his own thing. It's kind of funny because uh, Charles is named after Charles Schultz, who is one of my personal heroes. And, of course, that was the way Snoopy's relationship Charlie Brown was. Charlie Brown just wanted Snoopy to act normal, but, you know, he'd do silly things like pretend to be a fighter pilot or do a silly dance when uh, his supper came, and Charlie himself, why can't I have a normal dog like everyone else? And I think that's kind of the way Charles Lana. You know, he doesn't always do the right thing, but I don't think Lana regrets it. I think she likes having Charles as a friend that but at the same time i imagine that it also causes trouble so i think we're gonna see something like that this episode like the the kind of balance between that the dog lana wants charles to be and the type of dog you know like the perfect dog and the type of dog that charles really is which is far from perfect which uh, kind of describes lana herself in a way Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to that episode. Um, so, as of right now, there's not else coming out in terms of the Loud House, except we kind of heard some news that the, to the, ma the toy maker that was making the Loud House toys last year are not making them anymore, apparently. Do you know any information about that? 
Uh, yes, and I want to thank uh, a, a fantastic fan of the show, Royal Louds, who has a fantastic. Uh, uh, she has her uh, she has her own social media account, and she also won where she writes in character. Lincoln, and as someone who does a bit of Loud House character writing slash roleplay myself, which I'll get into when I promote myself at the end of the show, I think she does a fantastic job at it, but uh, she actually messaged uh, Wicked Cool Toys uh, asking if they had any plans for uh, future uh, Loud House toys, and uh, they wrote back that uh, they don't have any plans to manufacture any more future. Uh, she asked them more information, and what basically what they said was that there are no distributors that are willing to pick up the toys. So the promotional toys that they showed at the toy fair uh, are probably not going to be manufactured. And other than the plush toys they have out now, they probably aren't going to have any toys made with the Loud House license unless they find a actual distributor who's willing to up. Which I'm kind of not surprised at that, because the uh, distributors that have been uh, carrying the toys are Amazon, uh, a few websites that have been buying them direct from Wicked Cool Toys, and also uh, the, the gift shop at the Nickelodeon theme park in the America, where you can also buy them on. I think you would need, like, a big presence at, like... A and mortar store. I don't even know who sells toys anymore. Walmart is like the big place now because Toys R Us filed bankruptcy a few years back and their new owners are slurring back and bringing them out of bankruptcy. So I imagine if someone on the level of a Walmart or a reconstructed Toys R Us or someone like that shows no interest in picking up the toys, then they aren't going to make them because they know they're not going to sell. And it's kind of disappointing, but given the way the company explained it, it's also not surprising. But given the fact that The Loud House is such a successful show, even though it's still kind of under the radar for people outside of its target audience, to Emmy, you know, is like one of the highest rated kids. I don't think it has the presence of, say, a Spongebob, even Paw Patrol, which is not owned by Nickelodeon, but it's networking is like one of their biggest shows in terms of merchandising. So um, if the Loud House, I don't know if the Loud House will get on that level, but it will be very interesting to see what happens in the future and whether or not, you know, it gets the cachet to have big names like Walmart want to carry the toys so i'm i'm wish i think they i from the way they explained it i think they still have the license not that they lost the license to another company but no stores are interested in merchandise so hopefully that changes in the future and they make more merchandise because that's like one of the best ways to support a show make it heard that you have you want more merchandise but on the plus side the graphic novels are selling very well to uh, article that was done representative at paper cuts. so I'm glad to see some of the merchandise is doing well that's being you know brought out to places like bookstores and such but as far as toy stores and cars concerned I think we're going to have to wait and see but hopefully things turn out
Yeah, I hope so, because I absolutely love the toys that they made. Like, I have I have the Lincoln toy that I still have on my bed, and I even have the uh, the figures they made, which are beautiful. Those figures are really well-crafted. Like, they are gorgeous. They're, like, sitting on my desk. I just love looking at them. And I was really hoping they would make more. I remember actually contacting them a while back, asking if they would make more characters. Like, I asked about Rodian or Bobby because of the Casa Grandes, and I remember they didn't reply back saying, we'll see, because obviously, you know, with the show coming out, there'd be merchandise but it is kind of sad you know that who wants to distribute these toys but again because they're really nice looking but um i hope that maybe they'll find i agree i have the plush lincoln as well i keep them on my desk and it, it's very well crafted so hopefully somebody out there uh picks up the distribution of them yep and so that i believe is all of the loud housely news do you know anything else that came out with the main show uh not at all okay then we're going to head on to the Casa Grandes, which, you know, with the Casa Grandes, they've been promoting so much of this show, man. Like, there's been so much promotion for this. I don't think I've ever seen so much promotion for any show that's come out of Nickelodeon with the Casa Grandes. Like, there's been so much promotion, like, the posters, the billboards, the, like, I know there was, like, a, there was a baseball stadium where they had, like, the banners out and stuff. There's, there's been just so much advertising for this show. Extended promo that came out for the Casa Grandes, which showed clips of the first two episodes. Even some clips of future episodes that are coming out. Like, I remember in the promo, they had Ronnie and Sid doing a science experiment. I assume it's that they're at school, which is going to be kind of interesting to see Ronnie Ann at school for the first time. We really, didn't, we really didn't get to see her at school when she was living in Royal Woods, so they are going to kind of expand on her finally going to school with Sid and showing her in a school environment. That'll be really great. Um, I can't really remember what else there was. I think there was like a scene where Ronnie Ann and Sid were wearing Lucha Libre masks and Ronnie Ann was trying to convince Sid to be all tough and Sid was like, oh, look at the little butterfly, you know? Um, and I think there was another scene where it showed Carlos with the caboose on his caboose, which I thought was the funniest joke in that uh, promo. But uh, they also showed some other clips there from the episode we're going to talk about and the future episodes we're going to talk about because they talked about some episodes um, at, at the panel we're going to talk about later. But uh, what do you think of all this promotion they're doing for the Casa Grandes? Like, there's just so much out there right now with the interviews and the panels and the promotion stuff. How do you feel about all this? Cause uh, I really am, too. I really am. I think what the interesting thing is, is, and this is one of the things that they mentioned at the panel, is that they're intentionally marketing to not only a general audience, but a Hispanic Latino audience. They want, you know, people of Hispanic descent to come out there and say, here is a show featuring characters from your culture, and we're very proud of this, and we watch, because uh, a lot of the promotion that you were talking about was is actually being done in Houston, Texas, which uh, I made a mistake in an earlier tweet regarding demographics, so I deleted it, but I can correct myself here. Houston is the third largest Hispanic community in the United States after Los Angeles and Chicago. So they're doing a lot of promotion there. Uh, there was a photo of a big animated advertisement that was being uh, put up at the mall, the Houston Galleria, which is the largest mall in Texas and also one of the largest tourist attractions in Houston. There's uh, what you mentioned. They put up a, a bunch of advertisements, even on the staircase 
of the stadium where the Houston Dynamo of Major League Soccer plays. And Nickelodeon and the Casa Grandes are also sponsoring and going to have a presence at the East End Street Fest, which is being held in Houston on October 19th. So if any of your listeners are in Houston or in the Houston area, you can go out there and see what they have represented for Casa Grandes, and, you know, if you go to a Houston Dynamo game or shop at the Houston Gallery, you're going to see an advertisement for the Casa Grandes, which I think is pretty cool. And one of the other things is yesterday, recording uh, this on the 27th, yesterday on September 26th, uh, some of the people from uh, the Casa Grandes, Bill Mendez, uh, Lalo Alvarez, uh, Isabella Alvarez, and others uh, spoke at a conference in either Los Angeles or San Diego. I don't remember which, which is Los called. Los Angeles. Okay, it was Los Angeles uh, called Latitude, which is a business event regarding a uh, Latino presence in uh, the um, in American business, and uh, there were some interesting things that were said there. One of my favorites, because again, as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of Peanuts, and I think it's very cool because uh, not many people know that uh, Bill Melendez, director of of the um, Peanuts specials and the voice of Snoopy, uh, he was born in Mexico. Uh, his real name was Jose Melendez, but he went by the nickname Bill. And someone asked Miguel Puga, you know, how did you know? Uh, Sonia Manzano commented on the Paley panel, you know, there hasn't really been much of a Latino presence in pop culture until now, uh, and there are many people who have been responsible for that. Uh, one of them is the director Robert Rodriguez, who uh, directed Spy Kids and a lot of uh, action movies with a Mexican theme, and he actually got to meet the uh, cast of the Casa Grandes at the Latitude event, but in regards to before that time, uh, someone asked, uh, Miguel, they asked Miguel Puga, you know, how did you know when you were a child that, you know, this was a viable career for you? And he said, when I watched the Charlie Brown specials, and it said directed by Bill Melendez at the end, which I thought that was pretty cool. So I think it's cool that he sees um, Bill as a Mexican animation icon, which he definitely because there was a great drawing he did with Casa Grandes doing the Charlie Brown Christmas dance, which I thought was a very nice tribute. And the other cool thing was at the Latitude event, Isabella Alvarez herself was surprised because after the panel, she walked outside and she saw a giant truck with an animated Casa Grandes advertisement on the side, and she took a picture of herself with it. I, I don't think she was expecting to see that, and she's so she was so excited. I know it, but you definitely may be excited, and I probably would too. So I think it's cool that Ronnie Ann is just as excited to see her own show promoted as yeah, I absolutely loved seeing that on her Instagram story, how she was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? And she was like so excited to see this truck. Like, I love Isabella has been embracing Ronnie and as a character because like doing all this promotion stuff, she's really just been out there embracing the show and embracing her character. And as a huge Ronnie fan, it's just wonderful seeing her be excited for the show and excited for the character and yeah, like, all of this promotion has been great. And talking about Miguel Puga, he actually did a video recently on the on Nickelodeon YouTube page 
for how to draw Radian, which, you know, that was like magic. Because watching the people who are actually able to draw these characters by model is super great. But I'm just like, how does he that bean shape to be perfect? Because every time I was trying to draw Radian, I could not figure out how to get that bean shape to be perfect. So, you know, but he is a master of what he does. So, you know, I was just, I was just, it was just really cool to see him do that for the, for the YouTube page, just having to show how to draw Radian, because that was super cool. Uh, definitely. Puga himself commented that since he was drawing so fast, his drawing was kind of off-model, but it, uh, in regards to, uh, you know, people who do this for a living, uh, whenever I do a professional artwork, uh, I was thinking about this because I posted recently because he's the namesake of the, of the, uh, parrot on the Casa Grande, Sergio famous Mexican cartoonist, and he, uh, I was looking at an old panel he did where he did a bunch of gag cartoons, silent gag cartoons really fast. Quote, uh, I think it was from a science fiction artist, I want to say Arthur C. Clarke, but it was something like, any technology that is significantly advanced to the average person is indistinguishable from magic. And I think that's true. You see somebody who draws something doing and it's like, you know, how do they do that? It looks like magic. But I, I I love the fact that Miguel is very proud of the show. Uh, he's definitely a sweetheart when it comes to the fans and such. Oh, absolutely, um, because I remember back when the Casa Grande's arc was happening, he actually did a Fan Art Tuesday on his Instagram story, and he posted four of my Ronnie and recent drawings on there, and like I was like so happy because... I look up to him, honestly. Like, he's one of my favorite people on the crew now, and of course he is um, working on the Casa Grande. So to see that he's really embraced the fan content as well, because I remember like he, he, he posted a lot of the, like, the Lincoln Ronnie NS art and a lot of the you know, stated Ronnie and art generally, but I just love seeing that because I, I was like, oh my gosh, like the, the, the people who work on the show actually see our content and enjoy it and want to you know, share it with people. And I'm still thinking about that when he posted my art, I was just like, oh my gosh, my, one of my idols actually saw my art and posted it. Cause like, it's so cool when the, the crew, like, you know, they actually acknowledge and interact with us because like with the Loud House crew, for example, like David King and Darren, uh, what's his last name? Darren McGowan. McGowan. Yes. Thank you. They actually follow me on Twitter and they've like, we've, I've interacted with them a few times and especially also on Instagram, like, Isabella has like liked some Iranian art. Sid's voice actors liked some of my Sid art. It's really just awesome that they really just love to interact with the fans. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people on the Loud House of Casa Grande crew are definitely sweethearts. Uh, besides all the people you mentioned, I also want to give a shout out to Alex Cesaris, who uh, voices Carl. Uh, she's liked a and retweeted a couple of my tweets about the show. And on the Loud House side of things, I also want to give a huge shout out to uh, Christina Puccelli, who is one of the biggest sweethearts on the crew of either show. She truly is Luann Loud in if she just wants to make people happy and see them happy. She she's so sweet talking to fans. Uh, she wishes she's two years in a row. She's wished wished me a happy birthday on Twitter without me even asking for it. And 
that made me feel, feel so happy. And I think it's wonderful that the people from both of these shows, you know, love to see what their fans have to say about them and interact with them. So thank you so much to all you wonderful people on the Loud and Casa Grande crew for supporting us the way we support you. It means a lot. Absolutely. So uh, I'm trying to think, is there any other Casa Grande news that came out that we haven't, I haven't talked about yet? I do not think so. Okay, well, with that being said, and when we come back, we're going to talk about two things with our main topic, which is the Paley Center uh, panel that came out, I think, a week ago, right? Um, uh, it happened on September 15th, and the video was made public uh, this week, so yeah, it was last week. Okay. And then, of course, we got a very special surprise today. The first episode of the Casa Grandes on the YouTube page, which is Going Overboard. And we're going to do a little review of that when we come back. I'm in a big city with my big familia. Every day here is my favorite dia. One big house in our family store. Food and laughter and mucho amor. Tios, abuelos, all of my primos. A dog, a parrot, amigos. We're one big family now. We are back to Cascarande Chats, and we are going to be talking about two things for our main topic, which is the Paley Center panel and the review of Going Overboard, the first episode of the Cascarandes. So we had the Paley Center panel happen during September, and there was a lot of stuff that came out during that panel. I was really excited to see it. We got a little bit of clips here and there, but we didn't get to see the full panel. However, they're able to provide the panel on demand on their website, which you had to buy for $1.99. You could still do that. Uh, so Ryan did watch it and I watched it. So we're actually here to review the panel and I actually have your live tweets up on my uh, on my computer. So I get to look at a reference of what happened first on the panel. So that's really good that you did a live tweet because like there was so much on the panel that I couldn't remember. So it's nice to have this good reference of all your tweets here to talk about what they first started talking about on the panel. So we're gonna get started here. So the first thing they talked about was how they decided to do the Casa Grande spinoff, which basically mentions how uh, they really liked Ronnie as the character. She started out as a supporting character of the Loud House. They uh, they, she they talked about like their her relationship between Lincoln, which was they were buddies and had sort of a crush on each other, which was expressed by shoving sandwiches down Lincoln's pants. And what somebody commented saying, "Food is love," which I found really great. I found that really funny that they, but I also found it really great that they acknowledged the relationship between Lincoln and Ronnie Anne in that sort of way because you know. As some fans, you know, I like the fans of, of the ship myself, we're not really sure what the status of their relationship is or how the crew views them. So to see that they kind of view them in that sort of way. But, you know, um, like, uh, how do you feel about them talking about Ronnie in this sort of way? How, like, you know, she started out as this side character and kind of grew since then. Also, uh, also with Ronnie and his brother Bobby, they kind of decided these characters really stuck out and they wanted to make them main characters. I think that's really interesting, and I, you know, I think it's uh, kind of the example of uh, how you work with an ensemble cast, um, and you never know where these characters are going to go. Actually, I was just looking on your Tumblr, Tumblr page, and you, re, uh, you reposted something about Filbert from Rocco's Modern Life, which yeah. is kind of a 
great example about that like because he was just a he was just a side character at first in fact i think in his very first he was just used for a gag standing there in a comic book store and he's yeah. like the page you wash your hands you turn the page you wash your hands and as as that post pointed out, you know, he eventually became Rocco's good friend and we eventually got stories where he fell in love and got married. So it's kind of amazing how characters that are, you know, kind of made first for the purpose of a gag can kind of branch out in such a way that you want to tell all these stories about them. Like uh, another good example, I just have to bring up something uh, Dan Pavenmeyer said about one of my other all time favorite shows, uh, Phineas. Uh, major monogram on that show. He's the gives Perry the platypus his missions for the familiar the show. Um, but he said they found it hilarious to, you know, give give major monogram these time mission briefing, and he he he'd look off camera and say, "Carl, you've messed it up again." And it was just supposed to be a dumb joke. The character was never supposed to appear, but Carl eventually became this whole character you know this gag character who had a with major monogram oh it's carl and he even turned evil in one episode in that major monogram so i think it's amazing where all of these ideas branch off like oh this is going to be a funny idea a one-note gag character but you like this character so much they keep you know showing up over and over again and you keep writing about them I think it's like you never know who is going to be the star. Again, one last thing I have to bring up is um, one of Sunny and I's other favorite franchises, Miss Piggy. Definitely, I I was going to mention that actually. (laughs) You know, she was passed around between puppeteers during the first season and didn't really have a personality. Um, But, you know, eventually Frank decided to do this joke where she would lust after Kermit while singing another, you know, that kind of, and then one time uh, she just, uh, he just decided to rather than whatever was going to be in the script, just have her angrily karate chop Kermit. And there was Miss Piggy then and there. I went to a panel uh, for uh, Jim Henson's 70th birthday, and Bonnie Erickson, the woman who built the original Miss Piggy puppet, was in the audience, and they asked, did anyone realize what a character, big, how big, influential character Miss Piggy was going to become? And she gave the course, I don't think anybody knew except Miss Piggy. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that is crazy to me how, yeah, like, me also be a fan of the Muppets, how Miss Piggy started out as just a one-note character, and she became a huge character in the cast. So that same thing with Bobby and Ronnie Ann, because Bobby is obviously, was obviously just Lori's boyfriend, and that was really it. She was just there to be Lori's boyfriend, and now he's actually become more of a character. And then with Ronnie Ann being, like, his friend and his, and also one of his crushes, you know, it, it just really shows that she's also developed as a character, too. Because I talked about this season, how, how in uh, Loud Hunt, they really didn't do much with Ronnie, and they did a lot with Bobby, because obviously Bobby is Lori's boyfriend, so they wanted him around more. But Ronnie just kind of got pushed under the rug in terms of her appearances. The season two, same thing, you know, she only appeared in one episode before she moved. But in season three, they actually decided to give her more appearances, which I've been super happy about. Because, you know, it's really great to see one of my favorite characters now actually get more appearances and now get her own spinoff. I think it's one of the best things for me as a Ronnie fan. 
I want to point one out that I have noted that was uh, part of the original uh, that was mentioned towards the beginning. I think it was the next thing mentioned after what you pointed out, actually. The fact that the concept of the show, uh, Miguel Puga was very influential. He based a lot of the concept on his own fan, and he was in the writer uh, to develop the show, and he collaborated with Ruben showrunner on the loud house and the show show as well and michael grew up in an apartment in new york city so the two of them put those experiences together and came up with the concept of this large mexican family living in in, in a large city so i think that's kind of interesting these two people from different ethnic backgrounds were together to kind of combine their own experiences into the large family big city so absolutely like i love how there's just so much influence in this show and speaking of that you know the voice of rosa sonia manzali is that how you say her name manzano manzano yeah she talked about how uh one of the first generation raised a lot of tv in the 50s a world set that was the course predominantly white and middle class after so long you wonder when you're going to contribute to society that blinds your existence she became one of the first influential Hispanic performers on the Ses- on Sesame Street. So it's really awesome how much cultural impact this show has in, in the voice cast because, you know, she was on Sesame Street and became such a, you know, such a Hispanic icon in that way to see her influence on the show well as well as also super great. I know. Uh, I heard her speak once. Uh, she actually had to fight for her role on Sesame Street after, you know, it became a big show. Like, I think she came on on the third season. So there was like this uh, Hispanic activist group. He said, you know, Sesame Street has done such such strides for uh, the, the black community by showing, you know, blacks and whites getting along in this big city setting. How come there aren't any Hispanic characters on the show? And uh, she basically, uh, for that, with uh, the actor who played Luis Emilio Delgado, and again, for like 30 or 40 years, they were, for the most part, probably the only major influential Hispanic actors on television, not just on a but on a show, in, uh, on a television show, period. And I think what Manzano said is very true. She said, you know... With children, you're going to reach a lot more chil- uh, a lot more children uh, that not only in general but also nowadays because of the media landscape. So I think it's very cool that they got a lot of different uh, different uh, actors who are well known in the Hispanic community, like uh, Eugenio Derbez, who is the most famous actor from Mexico, and Sonia herself, who uh, she pointed out she is not Mexican. She is Puerto Rican, a Puerto Rican who was raised in New York City. And there's kind of funny incident that that we'll get to later. Uh, should I? And then also we had Alan Foreman, who is the supervising producer on the Casa Grandes, who I actually know worked on one of my other favorite shows, Welcome to the Wayne, which kind of 
really wasn't as popular on Nickelodeon, but I absolutely loved that episode. I know he worked on that one to get the voice cast recording because there's so much energy with all these people in the voice cast. And even pointed out uh, Leah, Leah Gold, who's actually uh, uh, Sid's voice actor, and how she's one of his favorites. So it's really great to hear how, you know, the voice actors really come in and just bring so much energy to the Casagrandes. But what we see so far in the Casagrandes, they have this full-on energy so it's really great to see it especially because like we saw we see all those behind the scenes photos of the cast recording together so you see how much fun they have together and recording together brings so much energy and liveliness to the performances they do for the characters definitely like there are different ways for uh animated series you know, some series have the voice actors record separately because they can't, you know, they can't fit them all in because of their busy schedules. And some of them have them in the same room. And from, from what I've seen, having to get the best results because, you know, they, they can play off of each other and they can add expected. So uh, definitely, you know, uh, Carlos Alizraki himself said a lot of great best uh, to go a little bit forward and said a lot of great things about how having an ensemble like listening to a symphony orchestra, a jazz quartet, you know, they're just playing off with each other and just, I, I think it's really interesting uh, and funny to listen to and see all of these voice actors be in the same place and play with each other, even when they're in the same room on a panel like this, Carlos was very funny. He was like one of the funniest guys on the panel because he was doing his character voices, but uh, Sonia herself stole the show with a little joke she made that surprised everyone that we'll talk about later. So again, that's sort of the improvised thing you don't expect, and I think that's a good example of the whole improvisational process. You never know what someone's going to say or what someone's going to do to get a laugh, whether on purpose or not. Yeah, I, I, I do want to jump ahead on that because I think that was the best thing that happened on the panel, which I think was when she talked about how, you know, about cooking Sergio, and then, like, she mentioned, oh, like, yeah, Big Bird for day, like, Big Bird, and no, like, Big Bird in the in the Thanksgiving Day Parade, no, we'll cook Big Bird and Sergio, you know, like, that was, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. To, to set the scene, they were talking about the fact that uh, The Loudest Thanksgiving was one of the first episodes to have The Louds and the Grandes together, and they were very proud of that episode. And uh, Carlos went on this whole tangent about, um, I'm gonna try to do a Sergio voice. I'm just glad they didn't cook Sergio. I'm still alive. I'm gonna make season two if we get one. And then all of a sudden, Sonia comes out like, I think we should have Sergio and Big Bird for Thanksgiving dinner. And she's just laughing about that and everyone else. And uh, Carlos is just going, like the Swedish chef. And then, and then Michael Rubiner tries to, you know, lighten the mood by saying, no, he meant a, she meant a Sergio balloon in the Macy's parade. And that was just so unexpected and so hilarious. And it, it reminds me of the fact that on Sesame Street, uh, Maria, who the character Sonia played, was the only character who could ever hold her own against Oscar the Grouch. Whenever Oscar insulted her, her she would insult him right back. 
just walk away content that she won the argument and Oscar would look at the camera and like be like I love that woman and it's kind of like she's like that in real life she looks like the sweetest thing she looks like she could be your grandmother but all of a sudden she comes out with a joke about cooking Big Bird and laughs about it and shocks everyone it's you know it's another great example of this whole improvisational thing and you don't know what to expect from people so i think that's definitely the strength of having actors like these and you know if you've worked for muppets for with muppets for almost 50 years you kind of have to learn how to old your because you know they have a tendency to ad lib and go crazy too so they say never work with children and animals in show business i think you can add muppets to that list and sony is definitely one of the ones who's honed her trade in, in being able to hold her own so it's definitely a very silly cast when they get together so i'm glad to see the re amusing results absolutely and then uh, Puga actually talked about, and they actually kind of mentioned that there's going to be some future episodes coming up with the Casa Grandes. Like the first one he talked about that he uh, directed uh, the, the Deus de Muertos episode, which of course we kind of knew that they were going to do one eventually, but obviously with the Grandes, you got to do an episode about that. And there's also going to be a just, a just a Halloween episode, so I'm kind of interested about that episode to see like how all the Casa Grandes dress up in costumes and stuff. Then they also mentioned a Bobby and Sergio episode, which is, I think, honestly, a very interesting idea with them butting heads, you know? I think that'll be a really interesting episode. And then the mother-daughter episode, which we actually got a sneak peek of that in the Allie Brooke interview video, where they showed Ronnie and talking about, oh, well, it's my day to spend with Maria, so I'm very interested about that one because I've wanted to see a Ronnie and Maria episode for a while because obviously Maria is Ronnie's mother. So to have this Murdoch episode will be kind of intriguing. Yes, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, that they're going to do all of these things, not just about Mexican culture, but also about family life in general. Uh, regarding the Maria episode, um, uh, Alan Foreman commented he could relate to it because he himself a single mother when he was a child and he had that difficulty and uh, you know he's not Hispanic and the moderator who is kind of said you know I was the same way as a child this kind of show she said how this show relates across generations it's not a you know show it's a show about family that just happened to store a Latino family and the other interesting thing was the comment on the Dia de los Muertos episode mentioned a key frame that they specifically go out of their way to explain that uh, Dia de los Muertos is not uh, the Mexican Halloween. So I think that's going to be interesting because they said it was a very funny episode, felt episode. So I think it's going to touch a lot of a lot of bases like that because to get for on the line of to give for another example uh, an, uh to give another famous example of a very heartfelt uh nickelodeon holiday episode the mother's day episode of rugrats where we find out that chucky's died although they intentionally never used the word died because i think sort of regulation against work at the time but um and the other babies try to get Chucky a new mother because, you know, they don't really know any better, but, you know, th they eventually find out and Chucky comes with 
that even his mother is no longer there, he she will always be his mother and always have those memories. And I think they're going to do this, kind of the same thing in this Dia de los Muertos episode that's about a holiday about honoring and respecting your ancestors who are no longer with you. Uh, Sonia Mondano did. She had a really great thing. She commented, you know, that there was never really an effort to do something like this on a children's show because they didn't know whether or not Dia de los Muertos was religious theme, whether it was too spooky for children because of the skeletons like that. And she had a very common joke, but she's like, you know, I go, I understood Dia de los Muertos more after watching this episode because I used to think, why are all these Mexicans so into goth? <laughs> that was probably one of the other funniest panel but i thought it was very interesting that she said she was able to view this episode and again it's it's something that's not of her culture but it is very important to another culture and they were able to explain it in a way that she understood i think it will be interesting to see how children react to this and uh of course i think some children are familiar Dia de los Muertos um, from uh, the movie Coco, which uh, Lalo Alcar was also on. He was specifically sought out because he originally boycotted the film going to be called Dia de los Muertos, and he didn't want Disney to trademark that name and make money off. They changed the title and intentionally sought out as a consultant to right the wrongs. And so I think it's very interesting that one of the other things they commented on the panel was that they intentionally tried to have as many Mexican-Americans as possible on the show, only on the voice cast, but also on the production staff, in the animating department, the writer's department itself. Uh, one of them said, this is probably one of the most diverse crews I've ever been able to be a part of. So I think that's intentionally doing their homework and doing research so I how dedicated they are to making this so much uh representation of the culture and learning about the culture because that was the one thing i was super intrigued about when it came to reading that one animation magazine article was that how much influence there is in this show and learning about those things because obviously it's not part of my culture so i don't know about these things so to see it from a show that i absolutely adore and see these characters go through these certain uh, events and holidays and their traditions and stuff, will be like, whoa, okay, I have to learn something new today. I feel like this show will be a very educational show as well with teaching kids who don't know about the stuff new things that they don't know about, you know? And I think that's really great. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like Sesame Street in a way where it's teaching kids newer things about different cultures and stuff like that. Definitely. I'm not of that culture either, and I, I think that's the perfect example like uh to go ahead a bit one of the one uh, one of the other funny lines you know the fact that you know we're starting to see more uh culture uh representations of cultures in media not just hispanic culture but other cultures as well um and uh uh one interesting example is uh, one day at a time which was uh the reboot of the norman lear sitcom uh with a hispanic uh twist that um, 
was recently canceled, but due to a fan demand, they were able to get a fourth season on both Pop TV and CBS. Uh, Norman Lear, uh, who is 97 and is a legendary television producer in his own right, uh, he founded an award ceremony specifically for representation of Hispanics in culture called the Imagen Award. And I don't know if I brought it up on podcast, but I want to point out that The Loud House has been nominated twice, and they actually just won for the loudest Thanksgiving, so I want to congratulate them on that. Uh, That obviously shows that they're getting the culture right. You know, talking about the fan fan things for, talking about fan stuff right now, um, the Someone had asked, like, oh, will Ronnie and come back to the Loud House? Because obviously, you know, we've had Ronnie with the crossovers, the Loud family and the Casagrandes met in Loud Thanksgiving. So, and of course, Ronnie and Bobby are from the main show. So, this is a question I've been wanting to ask my anybody on the crew for a while. If Ronnie and was going to make appearances in season four or vice versa. And to hear them actually ask about it was like, oh, here we go, you know? And so, um... They did, they did answer it, and um, the shipping goes on among our audience, and they mentioned how the ship between like, Ronnie and lives on and it never died, which to me is, like, obviously wonderful that they have to acknowledge the ship of Lincoln and Ronnie and because, you know, we, we did gotta get that out-of-context clip on the Instagram story. When I first saw that, I honestly freaked out, because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're actually acknowledging Lincoln and Ronnie and as a ship, and then um, Mike actually commented saying during season one of the Grandes, we're gonna see interaction between Lincoln and Ronnie, which again, I am so excited about, because, you know, you know me, I, I, ship, them, I ship them, they're my f- two favorite characters, and to, to, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to hear confirmation if Lincoln was gonna make a cameo in the Grandes or be a side character or something, because obviously when Lori's gonna make appearances with the Grandes being Bobby's girlfriend, so we were, so I was just kind of waiting for that confirmation because, you know, you, you, you kind of have to think, you think about it and you're hopeful, but I want to hear confirmation from the actual crew. So it's just kind of funny to me that they actually, you know, commented that way, that, like, they really do embrace the ship, you know, I just think it's a really great thing to kind of, you know, cater to the fans in a way, but also continue to develop Lincoln and Ronnie and uh, relationship because I'm a huge fan of their development in terms of friends and even beyond that. So to see that they are still continuing to show moments between the two, I'm like super pumped for this, honestly. Like, you know, if they're embracing it as much as we embrace it, I think that is just wonderful. Yeah, so uh, like I said, I'm just really excited about seeing Lincoln and Ronnie and have moments in the Casa Grande's. How how do you feel about Lincoln and Ronnie and as a pairing? Like, are you excited about that seeing them have moments together like I am? (laughs) Well, not in the same way you were, kind of in a different way. Shipping was never really my thing when it came to TV shows, and I've seen it ruin a lot of fandom things, so I try to keep it by the wayside, but I think Ronnie and Ann, Ronnie Ann and Lincoln are cute together, both as friends and as a potential someday. Uh, I know when they did Instagram uh, Q and A's, ask me anything. So both Gelga and David King have kind of said things on the like. I think Ronnie Ann and Lincoln are just friends for now, but perhaps when they get realized, they have feelings for each other it might blossom in something else but they're not really at that point yet so i think that's definitely where they kind of in a position where either they're too coy to express their real fear 
to anyone other than to anyone who would ask them, you know, they keep and also that perhaps they aren't really sure how it go as a relationship. Blinken's keeping it a secret to everyone. Absolutely. So we actually need to wrap things up for a bit. So so we actually need to talk about the first episode of the Casa Grandes, which is going overboard. And that was posted on the YouTube page today, which was a very great was which was a great surprise, which is the episode where Ronnie finds out that Carlos was a past skateboarder and she wants to teach uh, her some tricks. But he swore not to do any more skateboarding because uh, Frida told him not to when they got married. But eventually, in the end, they do find out that Carlos has been skateboarding with Ronnie and, and eventually has to tell Frida that, that in the end, you know, because he actually got hurt while he was skateboarding. And in the end, you know, Ronnie and apologized too, and it all worked out in the end. So I thought this was a really nice episode. It wasn't, like, not a lot happened in the episode. I feel like it was just a straightforward episode, just a cute little, like, Here's uh, what Carlos and Rodney's relationship could could be like, and I think it's super, super sweet and super wholesome with them together, and just having this nice little like, you know, uncle and uh, niece relationship. You know, just having them together bonding over skateboarding because Carlos said he really liked skateboarding after Rodney had moved in. So I thought it was a really nice, solid, cute episode for the first episode. But what did you think of this episode? I agree. And because we're kind of both constrained for time here, I want to go back so we can finish the comments on the panel. So I'm going to, since this was actually the episode that was shown at the panel, I'm going to kind of, kind of, you know, relay that back to what was talked about this episode in particular. I discussed my thoughts on the episode. Uh, As far as the episode goes, I think it's very interesting that you know, we know the Casa Grande so much uh, be- from their appearances, both the Loud House itself and the Casa Grande's arc, that we're able to jump right in and, you know, tell stories about these characters that don't really need to introduce who they are. Although at the beginning of this, we did get to see kind of the family interacting, which kind of introduces the relationship to with each other because... Um, uh, Rosa was cleaning the house and saying, you know, uh, you're interrupting my, you're interrupting my makeup tutorial. And they were kind of talking as a family, which kind of shows some of the relationships. But I thought it was interesting how they went straight to the point because, of course, in the first episode, Loud House, we know absolutely nothing about these characters. So they have to very quickly introduce who they all are before they get started. So this kind of sort of does the same thing. We don't get to all the characters or they kind of give us a quick recap of some of their relationships then it's all about Ronnie Ann and their relationship and uh this kind of reminded me a lot of early episodes of some of the things they did like um just the style of humor and kind of humor and you know more heartfelt was very strong in this and some of the ways that they used the humor as well like the cutaways which was something that the lab very early don't uh the, oh you know your ma, ma, you know my wife has uh, frida has a very important hope it doesn't involve me uh being a bird feeder again and we get a quick shot of that and then later on he's like you know well hopefully you know since i broke my leg we're not going to have to do something that's very exerting maybe she'll make me sleep on a cloud made of marshmallow 
and we get a quick shot. That was kind of the thing uh, the Loud House did very early on. Just I also thought it was very sweet, you know, like seeing putting two characters together that you wouldn't necessarily see interact, seeing what they do when they're together. Absolutely. I think it was a great episode to start off the Casa Grande maze. To wrap this up, if you have any questions in terms of the podcast, you can contact me at Eclipse on Twitter and Casa Grande Chats on Twitter. But Ryan, where can, I, where can anybody find you on social media? I am on Twitter at RWMead, on Instagram at Ryan w. Mead, and I also run a side account, which is a combination of and a character roleplay gag. For the Loud House, but we're going to expand to cover the Casa Grandes as well at Ramble. All right. Well, it was wonderful having you on here, Ryan, as my first guest. I was really, it was really great having you on here with all your knowledge and everything. It was really wonderful. Thank you. It was very wonderful uh, working alongside you, and hopefully, we'll be able to do this again sometime. Absolutely. So, with that being said, we'll see you next time on Casa Grande Chats.